It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 981 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, July the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors as well. And please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, do whatever it is the podcast app of your choosing asks you to do in order to support the podcast you like. It's very much appreciated and uh, takes no time at all. And it's free to do. So thank you in advance for doing that. Okay. On today's show, we are having a chat with Drake Silva, who is the host of Locked On Seminoles, our Florida State podcast here on the Locked On College channel. And we talked all about Scotty Barnes. Last week, we did our big prospect week where we dove into, uh, you know, the the top five guys in the draft. And Scotty Barnes was the one guy we missed out on. And I'm glad we got a chance to talk to Drake about him today because Scotty Barnes is super cool. And really does profile, I keep saying this about a lot of these guys, but profiles as a very Raptors pick in a lot of ways. We got into his strengths, his weaknesses, the reasons why he might fit the Raptors right now, the reasons why he might not fit the Raptors timeline right now, uh, all of that and more with Drake today. So we'll get to that in a second. But first, I just wanted to take a second and uh, talk about the signing of Jamamala Layla to the Golden State Warriors Coaching staff. This is news that came down earlier this week. And look, it's always tough to have strong opinions on assistant coaches leaving. You know, it sucks that dudes leave and you have to sort of go and find new faces, especially when it's smart people who are who are sort of going elsewhere. You know, Sergio Scariolo, for example, going to Virtus Bologna and taking over the head coaching job there. That hurts. And the same applies to Jama Malalela, except this one kind of hurts a little bit more than usual. And you know, again, I don't really know what the on-court impact will be, if any. Assistants kind of are a little bit nebulous in what they do, and it's hard to sort of pin down. Jama has kind of been regarded as a development guy. I think that's clear by the fact that he was named as the head coach of Raptors 905 a couple years ago for two seasons. And it's just, this one hurts a little bit because Jama's just a good dude. Really just a wonderful, wonderful guy. He was actually the last person I had like a one-on-one interview with before the... A pandemic happened, and I just, I'm very glad about that. I'm glad I got to sit down with him and have a chat with him, just because he is really, really kind, generous with his time, thoughtful, will give you, like, legitimately full answers. Uh, he's super inclusive with the way he runs his operations. He's just fantastic. And, of course, 
there's the Canadian element of it too. He's a guy who started with the Raptors back in 2006 in the community development side of things and then made his way all the way up to assistant coach and then head coach of the G League and then front bench assistant this past season. And he's going to be missed for sure. Again, the on-court impact, I don't know like the the tangible like wins above replacement of an assistant coach. It's all probably zero and you know give or take a point one or something like that. But still, it's uh, it's tough to lose a guy who's as wonderful and kind as Jamal Malalela, and the Warriors are lucky to have him. So I just wanted to uh, take a quick second to talk about that at the start of the show. And with that, we can move on and get to the conversation with uh, Drake Silva of Locked On Seminoles about Scotty Barnes and whether or not he might be a fit for the Raptors at number four. And this could potentially get woven in with the chat we had yesterday with Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic, where we talked about the possibility of the Raptors trading down. If the Raptors find themselves infatuated by Scotty Barnes and the Magic find themselves infatuated by Jalen Suggs, but they play some chicken with each other and it's sort of a who wants who kind of situation, maybe there's a trade down to be had there if you're the Raptors with the Magic, who again have that eighth overall pick, who maybe they throw that in, maybe it's not worth moving up one spot unless they really, really covet Jalen Suggs or whoever falls to number four. But either way, uh, this is me telling you to go listen to yesterday's show if you have not yet and hear all about the the magic and their situation going into the draft. Okay, let's get to it now. Myself, Drake Silva of Locked On Seminoles talking all about Scotty Barnes. Enjoy. All right, joining me now on Locked On Raptors is the host of Locked On Seminoles, covering Florida State for us on the college side of the channel. It is Drake Silva. Drake, how's it going, man? Uh, Sean, it's going good, going good. Just got back from work. I just got dressed up, ready to go to the gym, but I'm ready. I'm excited to talk a little bit about my boy, Scotty Tuhati, a.k.a. Scotty Barnes. Yes, uh, Scotty Barnes is the topic of today's podcast. We've done a bunch of similar podcasts in the last couple of weeks where I, in my uninformed state, go and ask people who have watched the players the Raptors might draft in detail about those players because there's no better way to get intel on a guy from than from the source. And as it turns out, the Locked On Network is perfectly tailored for this. So uh, <laughs> we're going to dive into Scotty Barnes, sort of the season he had with Florida State this year, uh, You know what he kind of brings as a player, his sort of overall scouting profile. We'll also dive into some things to work on for him, things that he's really excelling, things like that. And then we'll talk a little bit about the potential fit with the Toronto Raptors as they very well could reach for Scotty Barnes at number four. The Raptors... Love themselves a 6'9 dude who can defend and not shoot. So we will <laughs> dig into that to close out the show. Um, but, Drake, let's start here. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes, 24 games for Florida State this season. Only started seven. 10 points a game, four boards, 4.1 assists, one and a half steals. Uh, shot 56% on twos, just 28% on threes. Uh, not terribly great from the free throw line either, just 62%. Uh, you know, as someone who did not watch a ton of college basketball this year, I don't know if I watched Florida State play even one time. Uh, you know, give a bit of a, a rundown, if you could, of what Scotty Barnes is as a player, what type of sort of play style does he has? He's listed as a guard, even though he's six foot nine. Uh, what's the deal with that? What's your sort of read on Scotty Barnes as sort of an overall player? player so for those of you that don't watch college basketball uh florida state typically doesn't actually like, ha- give heavy minutes to the starting five um and if you like to look at his numbers i think scotty Barnes actually registered i think number four in minutes overall for the team he actually was right. the sixth man of the year for, for college basketball actually for the acc and also freshmen typically don't play that much the only reason scotty barnes played i think the level that he did was because he was a number it was like a top 10 recruit you know per sure. rivals, rivals 247 
And with Sky Barland, I, I understand the shooting issues. That's the one thing that, you know, I had with him coming out. Because if you look at him, he has the measurables of six foot nine, 227. I think he was like 235. I'd actually add FSU. When you see him, you think immediately, okay, this is a long, you know, Dante Exum. You know, I'll play if he's playing point <laughs> guard. But then when you actually see him play, the one thing that, you know, does come to mind a little bit because of the shooting woes, but he's very probably one of the best defensive players like in the draft because he brings a high motor, high intensity, and high sort of IQ when it comes to defense. It's Ben Simmons, which right. I know for a lot of people recently right now, it's, not, it's kind of a bad taste in your mouth. But I would say right now for kind of optimism-wise, their mentalities are much more different. Scotty actually will be someone that actually drives to the hole and gets in the pain, slashes the basket actually to, to get those points. And also, mm-hmm. there are two or three games in the past year where FSU was down by three to four, three to four points, or maybe by two scores. And Scotty is actually the player that gets within the game, ties the game, or wins the game as I think he did against Louisville. So there's, I don't think there's, there's a lot to be worried about with Scotty Barnes. Yeah, that, that's really fascinating to me, the Ben Simmons comp, because, you know, you just look at the measurables and you think, oh, well, OK, he's just going to like and even some of the comparisons like the ringer, for example, has shades of Pascal Siakam written down and shades of, you know, Draymond Green. And also I, 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 bulkier... did, I, did, I did see. <laughs> Sorry, Blue go ahead. Report. Yes, I did see Bleach Report did do the Draymond Green comparison, actually. And I thought that <laughs> would actually I'm like, OK, you know, you got two defensive players who. Can't shoot, but also you're not going to see Scotty like Draymond take dumb shots, which is one thing that right. he's, he's, you never see him, you know, have a bad possession with Scotty Barnes. Right. And so I guess my question is, you know, he has this sort of very interesting skill set at his size. He's got the defense as well, which we can get to. But, you know, what do you think he profiles as position wise in the NBA? I know it's kind of a loaded question these days because positionless basketball is kind of the, the vogue and, it, you know, especially the Raptors, if we're talking in the context of them. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to draft for need for position. I think they're going to draft best player available and say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, if we roll out Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam as our two, three, four, we're fine with that because we're playing future basketball and that's totally fine with us. I, I'm just curious, you know, where do you think he profiles in terms of like his role in the NBA? Is he going to be an on-ball sort of lead ball handler? Is he going to be sort of more of a forward who play makes once in a while and, and maybe set screens and play makes out of that? You know, what do you think his ultimate sort of destiny is in terms of his NBA role? So I don't think he's going to play exclusively point guard at the next level. I think he did that a little bit more out of necessity with FSU because mm-hmm. we did lose Trent Forrest. And we didn't have a true point guard on the roster at all. And I think that was kind of the higher slam points with Scotty Barnes with Leonard Hamilton. Actually, he, he did want to improve his um, playmaking ability with the ball. So I personally do see him as that larger three person. Actually, is a primary ball handler, but typically is not at the point of attack. Because I could definitely see him. He will be making a lot more plays around for his teammates. So that's actually where I see sure. him on the next level. We're going to continue on with more Scotty Barnes talk in just one second, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. you got the All-Star game coming up. Maybe go bet on the Home Run Derby, for example. Uh, you've also got the NBA Finals kicking along. It's 2-0 Suns. If you want to go bet on the Bucks to win the whole damn thing right now, you probably get some pretty good odds, even though the Suns feel like they're going to uh, wipe the floor with the Bucks uh, by the time we, I don't know, get 
back from the weekend. Who, who the hell knows? But either way, whatever the sport is, you can go to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, meaning if you put in 200 bucks, you get 300 bucks in your account off the top to play with. That is a great deal. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now we get back to the conversation with Drake Silva of Locked On Seminoles. Uh, before we do that, though, just a reminder that the road to the NBA Finals is brought to you by Michelob Ultra here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, the Locked On Suns and Locked On Bucks podcast are doing a great job covering both teams. Brendan Clean, Kane Pittman, both former and future guests of this podcast. Go and take a listen to those shows. And with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, Michelob Ultra is making it so we can all enjoy the playoff games a little bit more this season on the road to the finals yeah i'm very very intrigued and i think just everything about him suggests oh yeah the raptors this is a guy who they'll see everything else they'll see the defense they'll see the hustle they'll see the rebounding they'll see the the fact that he has the playmaking chops and think oh yeah uh we can teach this guy to shoot and make him an all-star pretty easily because Mm -hmm. they've already done this with guys like they do this all the time. This is the conversation we kind of had about Jonathan Kaminga last week when we talked with Dakota Schmidt of Ridiculous Upside. You know, he sort of do- is sort of a, a even rawer version, it seems, of Scotty Barnes, where the defense isn't quite there. It's more the offensive side of the ball where he's a little bit more polished. In, in terms of the offensive side for Scotty Barnes, I, you know, we talked about the three point shooting, not terribly great, 30% overall in the season, or sorry, 28% overall by season's end. Um, you know, he does have the playmaking and I think you know the compulsion is going to be to compare him because he's kind of a fast riser in the draft it seems it's similar to sort of Patrick Williams last year right I don't yeah. know what it is with Florida State guys they just kind of seem to rise up draft boards but with Williams like he didn't have the playmaking to have that extra layer of skill that Barnes clearly has and the potential to maybe be like a secondary ball handler that just screams exciting to me and kind of it just it's a very tantalizing collection of skills. I don't even know where I'm going with this question, but like, I mean, I think you're trying to get to like, I think, so when I went to, I went to Florida state from 2011, 2015 and FSU was never been a premier basketball program. We're probably known to be a football school. We actually, we made the NCAA tournament, tournament, I think my freshman year. And then Mm -hmm. we went to the INT for two straight years, but then somewhere I know coach Leonard Hamilton, the head coach of FSU basketball started getting, you know, these top line recruits. We got, we got Jonathan Isaac back in the day. 
XRM, yeah. Dwayne Bacon, Malik, Be- Malik Beasley when he's not out hanging out with Larsa Pippen. And then we also had <laughs> Patrick Williams, Devin Vassell this past year. And I think it's a testament actually to how Coach Ham develops these guys because now we're starting to become a factory of these lottery guys. I think we've had a lottery pick, right. I think, in three of the past drafts. And Scotty Barnes. Plus Terrence Mann. <laughs> And Terrence, and Terrence, man. Oh, you forgot about my boy T, man. The man, he's a bad man. He's a bad, bad man. But on a serious note, though, I think it's a testament to the kind of program that Coach Ham has instilled in these kids. Because from my report, Scotty Barnes coming in, you know, he was like, you know, he's a typical 18 year old. He still was like, you know, still trying to adjust to college life and everything else. But then, you know, once the season started, like, it was just all business with him. And he, he slowly started to become a leader, like actually with the team. And it shows just how he grows maturity level wise. And I think that's why you see him coming up off draft boards, whereas he, more people watching his tape or more people are talking to him now and seeing like how the, he has grown to an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like I, I do like to sort of look at, okay, which schools kind of produce guys who are kind of ready for the pros and, and does it sort of, is there any sort of correlation there? And it does seem like there's actually like, it's a far cry from Chris Singleton uh, being an incredible defender <laughs> who never really makes it happen at the NBA level. Like it seems like these guys are stepping in. Patrick Williams was exciting this year. Devin Vassell is very exciting. And I could totally see Barnes being the type of dude, again, that the Raptors sort of covet because of all the things he brings and the things that he doesn't bring right now feel like things that are maybe teachable by the Raptors and their development staff, which has been obviously very successful over the years. You know, in terms of things that are a little like we talked about the shooting, that's one thing. But if there is anything else that kind of stands out from Barnes's game that maybe needs some work, I'm curious what you think those things are because you know some skills like shooting feel like they're more teachable and things that can be taught along other things mm-hmm. like you know defensive iq and sort of instincts maybe less easy to instill in a guy what do you view as sort of the biggest areas of growth outside of shooting for scotty barnes at the nba level so shooting like you're right shooting is a very teachable it's a fixable thing i th- i agree with that and with scotty that's number one issue with number two I did say when he does slash to the basket, he's very physical and like he remembers how big he is and how much more athletic he is than the person defending him. My only concern mm-hmm. was I got better throughout the year, but I think he still needs to get that kind of, you know, he needs to be reminded that you're six nine, that you two yeah. you are two thirty-five. He needs to be, I think, a little more physical and actually be taking advantage of those matchups because that's the one thing that actually it made me extremely like it was not mad, but I think it was just more frustrating that he has this talent to just slash and get in. And that he just sometimes just won't do it, and we just don't understand why. Sometimes mm-hmm. he'll be a little too quick to pass the ball off, you know, because someone might have a better shot. But sometimes, you know, like just because you think someone else has a better shot, that doesn't mean you shouldn't just go in there at least attempt to do that. So that probably would be my one concern, I think, with him besides the shooting. Yeah, I, I guess the other sort of critique is, you know, the fact that he doesn't really score like like the shooting, like you said, doesn't score from the perimeter a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Seems like offense is very much a thing that needs some work. I'm curious about his playmaking, though, because, you know, the Raptors, their biggest issue in the last couple of years has been half court offense. They just don't have anyone to really create when the chips are down. Kyle Lowry does it when he has to and he might be gone and even if he's back he'll be 35 36 and relying on him to be your late game crunch time get me a bucket guy isn't exactly ideal there's a chance OG Ananobi becomes that you know we saw some really exciting strides from him in the back part of the season before COVID and injury kind of derailed everything but he was fantastic but you know I, I think for me the number one priority in this draft unless the Raptors can get Evan Mobley falling to them at four which I don't think is going to happen the number one priority for me is get someone who can create their own shot, get someone who can create for others 
through the leverage that they have as their shot creator themselves. And I'm wondering, like, does Barnes have that? Does he have that sort of innate, you know, I can get this shot off myself. I can shoot from anywhere on the floor. He doesn't really seem to have, you know, he might be a one level score at this point, as opposed to a three, three level score, what you really want. And that's the reason why I kind of lean more towards like Jalen Suggs right now, or Jalen green, if you were to fall as like the ideal guys for the Raptors, but is there anything there in terms of shot creation that you think could be sort of massaged and improved here with Barnes to maybe fill that need for the Raptors? Because again, I don't think the Raptors are going to draft for positional need, but I think skill need is something they'll look at. And if Barnes doesn't really check those boxes or doesn't figure to be able to check those boxes, he might not be the guy for them. What do you think about that? So to me, that kind of goes back to my point where like, he will always make sure that someone else is in the right position to actually to take the shot. The reason why right. we were, I think, a top 10, top 15 team with three points was, was that he was such a uh, – he had that threat of eventually, you know, if he wanted to cut to the basket, but also was able to – it was kind of field general-esque when it came to, like, you know, position people, like, across the board from half courts, which was something that he was really, really good at. But uh, it's – I'm trying to find a best, the best way to put it. I don't want to like crap on the kid because I'm trying no. to talk glowing about him here. But I think that kind of also comes back with that he needs to develop a shot to kind of help him out with that right? and to open up the floor a little bit more for like someone like a Spicy P or an OG Ananobi. Like that would definitely be mm-hmm. help them out. So I think that – I think he can. Now, did I see it all the time at FSU? No, I didn't. And <laughs> that was kind of one of the more frustrating things. And I think that – if he does develop that shot and also like he kind of is able to use the physical, if he's able to understand how physically gifted and stronger he is at all points of the game, besides just being on defense, if he's able to translate all that from defense to offense. I think that will help him out like immensely, but yeah, it, it's, it's something that needs to work on for sure. All right, we're going to finish up the chat about Scotty Barnes with Drake in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. And right now, one of their limited time flavors is up on the site only until the end of today, July 9th. So make sure you go right now and get the new grasshopper cookie flavor. It is amazing. It tastes like a classic thin mint cookie. All the flavor without all that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. I'm telling you, this is maybe my favorite Built Bar I've had so far. It's it's amazing. And again, Built Bars are wonderful because you can have a Built Bar when you're going for a workout. You can have it to have just as breakfast or whatever it is. It feels like you're cheating, but you're really, really not. And they taste great, and they're healthy for you too again you heard the profile of the grasshopper cookie most of their flavors have 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 not much at all only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs in them as well right now you can go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your next order that's the promo code locked 15 all one word for 15 percent off at built.com We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting scenario, specifically with the Raptors, because 
based on the rat the Raptors track record and the way they've kind of taken guys who can't shoot and taught them to shoot and kind of rounded up their games, it does feel like Barnes like might reach his ceiling if he were to end up in a situation like Toronto. But mm-hmm. because he doesn't have xyz in terms of skills right now he that might deter the raptors from taking him which is kind of a bummer like it's you know i i want to see a fully sort of realized six foot nine ball handler who can do everything that scotty barnes can do plus shoot that would be awesome but i don't know if right away especially because the raptors are in this spot where you know they have their core locked in they're on their second contracts you know i'm repeating myself from previous episodes but this is very much the situation they're in you know, the time is ticking on the Pascal Siakam, OG, and Anobi Fred Van Vliet core. And can you afford to take two years teaching Scotty Barnes how to shoot when Jalen Suggs is right there and he seems ready to come in and contribute from day one? And so, you know, Barnes, I think of all these guys, might be the most intriguing. And honestly, just sort of looking at the skills that he currently has, plus the skills that could be added, mm-hmm. if you're sort of looking at how all of these guys and say the top six could level up Barnes feels like the ceiling could be uh, like ridiculously high, but I don't know if it's going to really fit with the Raptors timeline all that much, just because of the quickness with which they're going to need some contribution from this guy, you know, in in terms of day one contributions, I mean, if the Raptors were to take Barnes, let's just say they take Barnes, they fill in, you know, they get some sort of center. Maybe they bring back Kyle Lowry, which, Hey, that'd be great. Um, let's just say Barnes comes off the bench as sort of a utility forward. Like, where do you think he, like, is he a day one contributor? Is he someone who might even need some G league seasoning? Is he somewhere in between? Like, where do you think Barnes is from day one in the NBA based on where he is right now? Is he like an energy guy coming off the bench? Is he someone who can, by the end of season one, be like a regular rotation guy? Like, like I, I, I can't really pin down based on my limited admitted knowledge of Scotty Barnes, like what he's going to be from day one, I can kind of project a few years ahead in theory, but from day one, like where do you think Scotty Barnes slots in on a team like the Raptors that is loaded with, you know, established guys and uh, existing talent and is not going to be saying, all right, Scotty Barnes, you go shoot 18 times a game from day one. I think uh, year one, I don't think you need to worry about stashing him down on G League, just get minutes. I think year one, sure. he actually is that bench guy, maybe your six man off the bench because he does provide that energy. He does have that motor that it never, ever stops. And he is very intense when it comes to everything he does when it comes to either rebounding, passing, and especially playing defense. It was evident. Um, and I, I mean, you're right. He's also, he's probably one of the most intriguing and unique cases like in this draft because me personally, if I were y'all, I love Sky Barnes. I would take Jalen Suggs. I think Jalen Suggs is probably is my personal favorite person in the draft besides Kate Cunningham. And with Scotty mm-hmm. Barnes, to me, his ceiling, my co-host is all the time. If he learns how to shoot, this man could be Trace McGrady. Like that to me is huh. the is the pinnacle of what Scotty Barnes can be. Like that, if he learns how to shoot and learns how to like be just physical at all times when it comes to driving to the basket, and like, you know, make sure that you know, hey, you can shoot the ball a little bit. Don't be afraid to shoot, or don't you don't need to look for everybody else at all times. He can be Tracy McGrady, but no, for year one, to me, he's like a spark plug off the bench, six man. He might honestly be starting for y'all by the end of the year if he <laughs> reaches his potential. But I do understand that you can't wait two years, especially because I think the rappers, what you guys won two years ago, right? Yeah. You guys yeah. won everything two years ago. Yep. Yeah. So, like, I, I kind of understand that like, maybe you have the hunger that you, to go back and to be, to go back and go further in the playoffs again, especially after this past year. But if I were y'all, I mean, I think that's someone that Scotty Barnes is definitely someone that's worth investing your time and investing your pick in because after um, Evan Mobley, after Jalen Suggs, I don't really see. I mean, who else is really out there for uh, right there, out there in the draft? Was at, at number four? 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to whoever doesn't get taken between Green, Mobley, Suggs, and then the only reason I'm even kind of entertaining the Kaminga and Barnes of it all is because they kind of profile as guys that the Raptors would typically like. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's funny. On Raptors Internet right now, as we're recording this on Wednesday, this is going up on Friday, but on Raptors Internet, there was a conversation going on started by the host of our direct competitor at the Raptors Republic podcast, Samson Folk, who's talking about how you know, there's this, it's always great to think, oh yeah, the Raptors can develop anybody, but it is also important to keep in mind, like, you know, not everybody is built for development the way OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet were. And the Raptors seem to have a very sort of rigorous sort of process for determining which guys they want to take because they feel like they can mold them and because they have the capacity to be taught as in this conversation going on on Raptors internet, which Drake, you have, you're just not privy to the, uh, the, the insane uh, calamity that is Raptors internet on a given day. So you're lucky for that, <laughs> but this is Samson and Blake, two very smart people. And Blake's talking about how, you know, the capacity for wanting to develop and being able to develop beyond what a guy is on, on, you know, July 7th, 2021, that is, as important as anything else in terms of just like raw skill or things that could be massaged along. So my question is like, does Scotty Barnes have that? Do you think, is he the kind of guy who's wired the way, you know, a a guy like Pascal or OG or whoever, you know, any other sort of great development story. Do you think he's the kind of guy who has that capacity to improve and to work on his game and to develop these areas where he very clearly needs to work on things? Or does he kind of profile as someone who's like, no, I'm cool with what I am. I'm Ben Simmons, baby. And I'm, I'm fine with that. And I'm going to be my best <laughs> self. Uh, where, where do you think Scotty Barnes kind of falls in on that from what you can glean from, you know, observing the team from the, your distance where, you know, obviously you're very plugged in, but you're not in the room there. It's tough to really know, but uh, just based on what you've seen and, and what you've kind of heard anecdotally through the team, how do you feel Barnes kind of stacks up in that department? If Scotty Barnes was someone that was concerned about, you know, being himself, getting all the minutes and playing as much as possible as he can, he would not, he would not have gone to four state because right. the fact of the matter is FSU, we don't start, you know, freshmen typically at all period. We also don't give a lot of minutes to all of our players. We play a deep lineup. That's why whenever you see for NCAA March Madness, we're like, I think we always play maybe 10 at times, 12 deep. Sure. And we like Scotty from what I've heard is someone that should do. He comes in and works very hard. He wanted to come in and play with an MJ Walker with a Raekwon Gray, with a Balsa Kropravica. And it's someone he wanted to – he developed – he tried to work on a shot all season long with an assistant coach. I want to say his name is Dennis Gates, or I forgot. I think it's mm-hmm. the other. There's two Gates on the team. I always get confused with that because one of them left <laughs> one went to Cleveland State. But he would not be at FSU if he was that kind of player, if he wanted to sure. be that one. Because if Scotty Barnes was that kind of guy, he would have went to Duke. He would have went to UNC. He would have went to Kentucky. He's been one and done. I mean, he's one and done now, but – it's better for his draft talk if he was going to be that guy to go to a different school. And when you go to Coach mm-hmm. Hamilton, you you go there to develop and become a pro prospect and go focus on aspects of your game that, that improve and also to get better defensively because there's no better defensive coach right now in college basketball than Coach Hamilton. Sure. Well, and, and yeah, that's the thing that really intrigues me about the fit with the Raptors is his defensive side of the game is, is like it's all there right now. And, you know, oh, yeah. he's only going to bulk up, you would assume. And you know, the biggest issue for the Raptors this past season, aside from, you know, playing in Tampa Bay and the COVID and all that stuff was they just didn't have the personnel to play Nick Nurse's very aggressive style of defense the way they did when they won the title. And they had Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and Marcus Gasol and a bunch of defensive savants out there. You know, it feels like Barnes, you know, it's always tough to pencil in a guy for day one production on the defensive end, but 
what Barnes kind of brings feels like that would really slot in nicely to Nick Nurse's defense. And, and look, I kind of hope Nick Nurse tones down the aggression a little bit on defense going forward <laughs> here, but you know, Barnes seems like he could fit it. And also, you know, I think Raptors fans are kind of scarred by the idea of playing small after watching, uh, or sorry, scarred by the idea of not having a center after watching Aaron Baines play this season. And oh, it was he was very, very rough. This year? Yeah, he was bad. Uh, oh one of the worst God. basketball players I've ever seen. Um, That's I why I got a reaction like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was it was rough. It, you know, it was a difficult situation. He just had a kid before the season started. It was in Tampa. It was not a good situation for anybody, really, but. I, I Raptors fans seem now there's this sort of like tipping back of the scales where it's like never small ball again. Uh, we want good centers, not crap centers that force us to play small ball a bunch. And I, I think that's kind of missing the point a little bit where the Raptors a were at their best when they played small this season. Like they were really, really good for, you know, 20 games when they were playing small mostly. And then things went off the rails. It's, it, that's also the fact that they, they won't need to play that small going forward because Norm Powell's not on the team and they're not playing a six, fourth guy at the three. Like if you throw out Scotty Barnes with Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi as a three, four, five in some orientation, that gets pretty exciting. So my, my question around that is can Scotty Barnes, is he profile as someone who could slide down and play the five a little bit? Is that something like a small ball, five, small ball, four. Do you think he can be sort of a, tall member of a small ball lineup so like they're big in physicality but also small in terms of the skills they offer is that something scotty barnes you think is sort of tailored to in the nba to a quote um uh, lebron james when he moved down to miami he he can guard not just the one not just the two but the three four <laughs> and the five he yeah. has this size and the speed and lateral quickness to guard whatever you really honestly ask him for he's six nine the guy, mm-hmm. I think, has like a seven foot three wingspan, which is absolutely absurd. And he's he's quicker than big. And he yeah. has the strength actually to bang down in the back. And I'm sorry, in the back, bang down in the post with, <laughs> with, with a five player. He'll be sure. perfectly fine for that. And that's someone that, like, we played a lot of, uh, he played actually a lot of four and five when he was on defense when we moved off. And one right. game, if you, if you listeners want to go to, is our game against UNC. I want to say the second one when he had a guard, a Walker Kessler or a Martin. Armando Bacoa, I think his name is correctly, who are their big, big centers. And he thoroughly dominated them. And he was someone that that kind of also showed the kind of toughness and grit that he had. And he wasn't afraid to like, I mean, the kids, I think had like three to four inches on him and he still did not carry. I don't know if you ever seen that video of like, I think it was Colin Sexton who like slapped the ground and then flexed in front of the defensive player. He he did it on a day in day night basis. So no, I think you guys, he'll, he can guard whatever you honestly ask him to do. So. Yeah, I uh, and also like you can go the other way, too. And I've made this point sort of referencing Masai Ujiri's end of season press conference where he talked about how he wants the Raptors to be ahead of the curve going forward. And I think the curve is you can have as many six, nine dudes on the floor as possible. That's great. (laughs) And a Barnes and an OBC, whether it's a two, three, four or a four or three, four, five. Yeah, there might be some shooting issues there. if Pascal's three doesn't come back, but that to me is something you can get by with and something that you can play small ball with, but not be outgunned. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs with the Clippers, for example, where, you know, because they could play small ball with Marcus Morris at center, you're not actually really playing small ball all that much. You're a little bit shorter, but like you've got thick dudes, you've got guys who can defend all the positions. And yeah, but you might come across a DeAndre Ayton who feels like he's seven foot eight when he's out there. But for the most part, you're going to be able to get by against a lot of teams that, that don't have those sort of hulking centers. And 
I think that is certainly something to look at it. And, you know, as much as a three, four, five of Barnes and an OBC Occam excites me, a two, three, four with some other center in place excites me even more because then you're playing mm-hmm. enormous across the board, except for Fred Van Vliet at, at the point guard spot. And you kind of account for Fred Van Vliet's lack of height by having dudes who are enormous across every other position. So I'm intrigued, man. I, I still think Jalen Suggs would be sort of top of the charts for me in terms of guys who I think are most likely to go to the Raptors just based on draft position and need. But Barnes, like I think Barnes is the more likely reach for the Raptors if they are going to you know, go outside of that consensus top four. As much as Kuminga is intriguing, I think Barnes for sure is the more likely guy they would go for here. Um, Drake, any last thoughts on Scotty Barnes before we wrap this thing up? Um, I think whichever team he goes to, I think he's actually gonna have a long stellar career. Me personally, I do see you guys gra- grabbing grabbing Jalen Suggs, especially if Kyle Lowry does go to town. I personally gotta hope yeah. he does. I want to come to Miami Heat, please, Kyle Lowry, come down here. We <laughs> need you. Jimmy needs you. Hero needs you. I need you. And to me, I think it's gonna go great where he was. I think also that uh, the best fit, honestly, in my personal opinion, for him. I think it was a Golden State number seven. I think that's sure. where you're going to see, see Sky Barnes going to, and I think that'll be the best spot for him. But if he goes to Toronto, I think he'll have a great organization. I, I mean, I'm a big Fred, Fred Van Fleet guy. Must I usually every one of my favorite GMs. It's kind of the reason why I want to get into the sports law world in general. And mm. Scotty, you're a unicorn. You're the man. I love you to death, my guy. And keep on rocking the NBA. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the Warriors would be terrifying. I, I feel like the Magic, like if he doesn't go four to the Raptors, the Magic will go. Jonathan Isaac 2.0. Yes, we can't help ourselves. We must get more guys who can't shoot on this team. So I would be <laughs> shocked uh, if that goes to Orlando. I'd be so sad. Oh, no, yeah, it would be a bummer. <laughs> no, they should just not be allowed to have six foot nine wings on that team anymore. They've ruined them all. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, after no, after after they what I've seen them do with Jonathan Isaac, I'm like, please just don't let them get my man. Don't let them do it. Yeah. Don't let them do it. Yeah. Uh, well, Drake, this was awesome, man. Thank you for filling us in on Scotty Barnes and all that he's about and uh, really selling me on him as a potential guy for the Raptors. Again, I, I'm hoping for Suggs probably a little bit ahead of him, but I, I think this again kind of hammers home the point I've been making for a while. There's really nowhere the Raptors can go wrong here. And if they end up with Scotty Barnes at four and you're, you're ready to like scream and get upset as a Raptors fan, I think you should probably hold off because Scotty Barnes seems to really bring a lot of interesting things to the table, even if maybe they're not quite ready to fill the needs of the Raptors from day one of his NBA career, but maybe you shouldn't be expecting rookies to fill needs from day one. Anyway, maybe that's the problem with the whole, yeah. this whole process, but yeah, unless um, you are legitimately yeah. like a uh, Anthony Edwards or you're a, you know, Lamella ball, you're not going to have an instant impact rookie anymore. These days, this isn't oh, the high school area yeah. of like LeBron and Cam- Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and back in 03. It doesn't happen anymore, but yeah. like you said, like he's an interesting <laughs> kid. Like if y'all do draft him, patience with him, he'll need a little bit of seasoning, but Keep great spark plug off the bench. He's gonna be a great side play for you guys. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, I will say, if you have to think I haven't talked myself into Jalen Suggs being John Morant from day one, uh, you're crazy because I'm doing that too. I- I'm guilty of it just as bad as anybody else is. The draft makes your brain weird. But uh, Andres uh, Drake, I just went by your <laughs> your Zoom name. Uh, but Drake, thanks so much, man. This was uh, a lot of fun, and we will. Uh, certainly check in again if Scotty Barnes becomes a Raptor. We'll have to get more intel on him as we go along here. Thanks, man. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.